1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is brought to you by Hamul Casino. San Diego's closest casino. Real close,
0: real friendly, real fun. On the free Odyssey app.
3: Woods on a Friday morning, Sam Levitt sitting in Italian Paul as well as uh, Woods and Paul are in Arizona getting ready for Padres fantasy camp starting this weekend. Uh, speaking of fantasies, the Padres are are living one right now. Uh, in like 15 years ago, they had a fan fest. They were lucky if a, a few thousand people showed up, and um, you know it's incredible. The Padres announced yesterday, just a couple days ago, the fan fest details. Uh, they're distributing tickets, and they announced yesterday that. They have distributed so many tickets already that they're cutting it off at 10 o'clock this morning. So if you don't have your FanFest tickets yet, you have to go to Padres.com, download them digitally by 10 a.m., or you're going to get locked out of of a free event. I mean, free FanFest, free parking. Uh, Almost every star player on the roster is going to be there on February 4th at Petco Park. Run the bases, play catch out in the field. The Padres, uh, the garage sale to benefit the Padres Foundation. All the all the great fan fest activities. But it, Padres right now are such a hot commodity that these tickets have been going. Like hot cakes. Yeah, I'm I'm happy
2: you mentioned that because there are probably people waking up this morning that do not know that they have to get the tickets before 10 a.m. So, yes, you want to be part of what's going to be a great event. I mean, the star-studded nature of it, Manny, Fernando, Bogart, Soto, Hader, Darvish, Musgrove. Cronenworth list goes on and on. I'm I'm really looking forward to it.
3: And um I don't know if this is for uh, announcement or not, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh we will be broadcasting live out there. We don't have a final broadcast schedule That's what set I heard. I, I don't know the final details but, but it's but we like should that. be out yes. there. We should be talking to some some most of those guys you just mentioned are gonna make their way over to our setup and we'll we'll give you all the details as soon as we know what the lineup is gonna be on that day we're still kind of figuring it out but yeah 973 the fan will be out there so if you don't if you don't get your tickets you don't get in you can kind of vicariously at least listen in uh, to fanfest coming up on February 4th uh we'll uh, let's go through some more of these relievers before we get to a real or fake but if you want to call in now and be our contestant uh, you do have a chance to qualify for a getaway to Las Vegas to the win uh, comedy tickets as well but you got to call us at 833 833- 288-097-3. We're going to play a Sam Levitt edition of Real or Fake here in about five or six minutes, but you got to get online. 833 uh, 2880973. Italian Paul will uh, get you into the queue if you dial up now. All right, we left off our uh, review of the 40 man Padres roster, the bullpen edition at the letter H, and uh, the closer, Josh Hader, who came over, obviously, in the trade from the Milwaukee Brewers at the deadline, struggled badly for several weeks but by the end figured it out and in the playoffs was as dominant and you know as I think I've ever seen Josh Hader uh just couldn't even be touched by some of the best hitters in all of baseball whether it was the Dodgers or the Phillies in fact my my biggest regret of Bob Melvin's managerial first year for the Padres is that he somehow didn't get Josh Hader into any of the last three games of the National League Championship Series, as hot as he was. Was Kept waiting for that right moment to put him in to close out the game, and that opportunity never came for the
2: Padres in those last three games in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I have really zero concern about Josh Hader and some of the struggles he had last year. Whatever concern you had, I, I really think the postseason and what he did has to has to calm your nerves, okay, about any of the struggles he had last year. In fact, I thought it was semi-ridiculous. MLB.com, MLB Network, they put out their top ten at every position, and they had uh, the top ten for relief pitchers in the game. I could not believe that, and I understand he had some moments last year that were not great,
3: and a stretch that was not great. I mean, it made the numbers. I could not. Look-
2: I, I could not believe that he was not in the top ten. I think that's ridiculous. It is.
3: I made the numbers look bad. He was two and five with a five point two two ERA. Sounds horrible. Yeah, but that was it's- that was three bad weeks it's the difference
2: between looking at the numbers at the end of the year and actually paying attention to what was happening in the final month and then uh in the postseason because he he was that guy he was the guy that everybody
3: knows by the way in the postseason five appearances 0.00 era didn't allow a run four saves five and a third innings ten strikeouts in those five and a third innings and his whip 0.38 uh he was close to untouchable in the postseason for the Padres. Yeah, he was was unbelievable. He was the guy
2: that he was with Milwaukee for the most part. He was the guy the Padres traded for. And, um, again, that's a a huge part of this season, what makes it so intriguing, the idea that they have a guy in the back end of that bullpen to close games that can be as dominant as Josh Hader can be.
3: By the way, Tim Hill is back and was almost as good as Josh Hader. He had a 0.38 whip in the playoffs in his three appearances – uh, had another solid year. He's just—he's a solid three ERA left-handed pitcher. Just about anybody would want a Tim Hill in their bullpen.
2: Yeah, love it. Uh, he was great. He was really, really good in the second half, uh, You know, uh, kind of under the radar, quietly. It was something I talked a lot about during the pregame and the postgames of of having appreciation for how good Tim Hill was. And as a lefty coming
3: out of that bullpen, uh, I don't see a reason why he can't be that again. Uh, Ray Kerr is another lefty back. You might remember him from uh, seven appearances last year. Didn't really uh, stand out, but uh, he's more depth that the Padres have. In their bullpen,
2: yeah, for sure. I mean, we we talked about guys like Angel Felipe,
3: Tom Cosgrove. Again,
2: I don't know. You are you putting Ray Kerr a little bit above those guys in the in the pecking order out of guys that might get called up from AAA to. Uh, to fill a bullpen need, maybe, but you know what? Somebody we saw last year. And and I think, uh, again, uh, the names like Cosgrove and Felipe and Kerr and Lopez, guys on this 40-man roster, hey, these are all guys you may see at some point.
3: Jose Lopez is next uh, pickup in this offseason. Ray's organization, right? Yeah. Yes. And uh, Rule 5. Yeah, Rule 5 pickup. So they'd have to keep him on the Major League roster all year. That's going to be tough to do for a team that's in you know in it to win it this year to also have a rule 5 player but i mean if he pitches really well in spring training there's a, there's a chance he might get the opportunity to stick
2: yeah there is uh you make a good point with the with the rule 5 nature of it and and having to keep him on um you know look had good numbers in the minor leagues uh i, I tend to think the padres you know from a scouting perspective are pretty selective with what they do with, with things like this whether it be uh, players playing overseas, whether it be players in the Rule Five Draft. So I, I, I find it hard to believe they they would have selected Lopez if they don't truly believe there's some real stuff there. So I'm I'm intrigued to see him at spring training.
3: Drew Pomeranz is uh, always the wild card. When healthy, yeah. one of the better relievers in baseball. But he's he's rarely healthy and wasn't last year. Only made nine appearances all season for the Padres. Well, it
2: was one of those situations last year that many won't remember. I mean. I, I thought he would return at some point. It certainly seemed like he was going to return at some point, like that process of returning from the injury would happen. It just never materialized, and he had setbacks. But, look, and, and I'm sure you guys have talked about it, when healthy, I mean, he has been great. 2021, 175 ERA in 25-plus innings. Uh was great in 2020 for this team, a 145 ERA in 20 appearances. So, uh, again, maybe a wild card in this bullpen just because – you, you don't totally know about the health and he hasn't pitched in a while. But if he is that guy again, I mean, when you talk about the combination of having Hader and Suarez, who we'll get to and Garcia and Pomerantz and the names go on, and Pomerantz could be a, a huge key in this bullpen
3: doing our 40 man roster review, wrapping it up. Just a couple of more names left here. Uh, Sean Poppin is a right hander. The Padres picked up from the diamondbacks, 28 years old, uh, Right. Again, probably just depth, not someone that I necessarily expect to make the 26-man roster, but as you said earlier, you need well more than just seven or eight relievers over the course of a season. The good thing about Sean Poppin,
2: the numbers won't pop out what he did in Arizona. Oh, I see what you
3: did there. Oh,
2: I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> what? I, I swear, I wasn't even thinking about that. Uh, the numbers will not pop out for Sean Poppin, uh, what he's done in Arizona, some of the previous stops in the major leagues, but... Having a guy like that, you know, even if he's at you know AAA or or whatever ends up happening, having uh, a guy who has some real major league experience—that's kind of a veteran. That's a, a good thing.
3: Robert Suarez opted out of his contract and then signed a, a what seemed like a really big money extension for a reliever with one year of experience, and then you see what everyone else got in the free agent market, and you go, all right, maybe the Padres didn't overpay to bring back a guy who ended up by the end of the season as one of the better right-handed relievers in the National League at the end of the year. Well, he was everything
2: the Padres could have hoped for and then some when they brought him over from Japan and hoped that they could find a guy who had so much success there and that it would translate to the major leagues. It absolutely did, absolutely dominant. I truly believe that Suarez and Hayter have the opportunity at their highest levels of performance to be the best back end of a bullpen in baseball. Now, in fairness, the, the flip side of the thing with Suarez is that he's got to do it again, and he's got the contracts. It's a very different contract than what he originally signed, so there are now some real, real expectations for Robert Suarez, and look, relievers can be volatile. We know that. I'm, I'm interested. I'm hopeful that he can continue to do what he's done but now he's got to prove it uh, a second straight year. And
3: then finally uh Steven Wilson who I think uh kind of quietly had a really good rookie season last year for the Padres 4 and 2 3.06 ERA 50 appearances 53 innings which is a uh, solid work out of the bullpen and he did it when the Padres really needed it at times and played a critical role and you know then kind of took a back burner for a while but uh yeah he'll have a he'll have an opportunity to I mean, he could be a really good, like, sixth-inning guy yeah, for this team. I think it's probably a similar role
2: to what he had last year, where he's not in a one-run, two-run game in a seventh, eighth inning. He's probably not the first guy out of that bullpen, but is probably somebody who comes in earlier in a game, who comes in, in maybe in games that you're down by a few runs. But very effective, uh, good guy. Uh, I really liked uh, Stephen Wilson, and obviously the stuff was was
3: very good as well. And that wraps up our forty-man roster review. Forty players in uh, about forty hours it took us to get through <laughs> all of that. Sammy, help you appreciate you uh, helping us with those bullpen guys now. Uh, so we got some callers on the line. Let's find out a little bit more about our guest co-host today in play, a Sam Levitt edition of Real
0: or Fake. Some are here for the compelling sports talk with Ben and Woods. Yeah, you can go plow through another donut. It's time for Real
3: or Fake on 97.3 The Fan. Uh, tell the people what they'll win today. All right, we got, uh, Let's go with Dave in Spring Valley as our contestant this morning. Hello, Dave. How are you? Good morning, guys. All right, so here's what you're uh, playing for. If you can uh, get at least four out of seven right, you will qualify for our monthly grand prize drawing, get away to Las Vegas, a night at the win, very fancy, and two tickets to comedian Sebastian Maniscalco, uh, he's got a residency coming up in March and May. Tickets are on sale at Ticketmaster.com. Got a sold-out uh, shows last year, a Netflix special titled Is It Me Out As Well? So uh, we're going to try to find out more about Sam Levitt. I have some real facts about Sammy here, and I've also thrown in some fakes that I have made up. So you can uh, you just have to separate at least uh, four out of the seven right, and you will win today. So Dave, you ready to go? Yes, I am. All right, real All right. or fake Sam Leavitt? On a 2018 trip to Korea, Sam saw a young Ha Sung Kim play live in a KBO game. Real or fake, Dave? Mm. Mm. I'm going to say fake. I do fake. like baseball. He does like baseball. Fake. Is that fake? That is fake. That is yeah. fake. Correct. <laughs> that is a point. Uh, never been to Korea? I've never been to Korea. Never been to Korea. Nor did I see Ha Sung Kim before he was a pod. All right, that is one point for Dave. He is off and rolling. All right, round two. Dave, Sam has never eaten a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Real or fake, Dave?
4: Gosh, I I I hate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Mm. So I'm going to say fake on that one. That's real. So you've never eaten PB and J. Never.
3: never. I don't a, like him either. Actually, not a big. But I've eaten one guy. in my life. No, I don't do it. Good for you. Good for you. All right, Dave likes the. Even though he got it wrong, he likes the answer. All right, you're still, you're still in this game. Let's go to round three. All right, Sam was the starting left wing on his high school ice hockey team, earning all league honors his senior season. Real or fake, Dave? Slap shot, Sammy. Real. Sammy. No, not a real. No. Hockey not player? Real. Even Long Island? I mean, no, Did your no, high school no. have a hockey team? No. They didn't even have a hockey Very team. Very rare thing in... in even in, in New York. Yeah. I, I was not a big hockey guy. All right. Let's get going here, Dave. You got one right. Let's go to round four. In his college essay, Sam compared himself to Mr. Met, the Mets team mascot. Real or fake? Dave? Real. Nice. That is real. What? How?
2: One of us has a baseball for a giant
0: head. My head might be giant.
2: (laughs) Yes. the The opening line was much like Mister Met's large baseball sized head. I also have a huge noggin. What else did you compare yourself to, Mister (laughs) Met? Oh, it was it was a whole thing. You know, our characteristics, our traits, our um, yearning for helping the community,
3: for being a part of a community. that what Mister Met is really known for. Yes. (laughs) Did you get in anywhere
5: on that? (laughs)
3: Northwestern. Oh, wow. Early decision. Incredible. All right, that's two right, Dave. Let's go to round five. You need two out of these last three. Sam was once the youngest emergency medical technician in the state of New York. Real or fake, Dave? Fake. Sammy. Real. real real like you can do cpr and everything
2: well, got- well i might my, my, my i don't have my license anymore because i would have had to renew it right but-, but i took the test the emt test in new york on my 18th birthday which so, is the
3: earliest you can possibly right. become a licensed so EMT. until until the
2: next testing date and you got the license right there when on that day so until the next testing date uh, unless we're going to get down to by, by hour by hour by
3: minute. You were there, at least there for could the moment. not been a younger huh. EMT in the state. Wow. All right. All right. That means, Dave, you got to get these last two right or you're going to uh, oh. fail in our game. So pressure's on now, Dave. Okay. All right. Here we go. Oh. Round six. Sam's uncle is a casting director, and Sam actually made a two-second appearance on camera as Jack Ryan's baby boy in the opening minutes of the movie The Hunt for <laughs> Red October. Real or fake, Dave?
1: Uh, that's got to be fake.
3: Yeah, I totally yeah, made that one yeah, up. that, that Nicole, I thought that, no, that was real, but no, that was not real. All right, that means we come down to the end. Round seven. How does it always come down to round seven? Wow, This, this game is so dramatic. Real or fake, Dave? Sam's middle name is Aloysius. Real or fake? What's this now? Aloysius. Is that his middle name? It is, oh, hey. it is Dave! Oh, it's. Dave, congratulations. Okay. What is your middle name? Joshua. Joshua! <laughs> Dave, congratulations. Hang on the line. Italian fall. We'll get your uh, winning information. We'll put you into the drawing for our grand prize trip to Las Vegas at the end of the month. And thank you for playing Real or Fake. I think, we,
2: I think we did pretty well there. I think, see, if I had supplied you with one more kind of weird actual real true fact i think i think dave that was like uh, i think dave loses
3: scouring his brain for i real know facts. and
2: then it, and then it made me feel like i have i think i'm pretty interesting but then i was kind of thinking like what's a weird fun fact that's cool and i just i kept coming up empty
3: all right we got don't do this coming up next uh if you are listening earlier this week we had a story about a college basketball coach who worked out his team so hard that he sent five of them to the hospital. It has happened again this week. Uh, We'll have that coming up, uh, plus uh, a college backup quarterback and his new skincare line. Mm. That is all ahead uh, with Ben and Sam Levitt on Ben & Woods this morning. We'll be back after a check of traffic here on 97.3 The Fan.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.
3: Losing money is it? don't do this. Winning money a do do this. The BetQL app uses proven data and analytics to help you make smarter bets. BetQL looks at every bet from every game, ranks them on a scale from one to five stars, with those five-star bets being your best chances to cash in. Get started today by downloading the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com. All right, Ben, Sam Levitt in for Woodsy. I will get us started. And if you were listening earlier this week, you might remember the story about The college basketball coach who was mad about his team breaking curfew. So he worked him so hard in practice, made him run so much that five players ended up having to go to the hospital. It's the reason I was running lines out here in the hallway earlier this week in a video that will haunt me for the rest of my life. And everyone made fun of me because I am so unathletic, especially when I'm trying to run. It was embarrassing. That did get a lot of traction on social media. But now, this is even, this is possibly even worse in my mind. So, John Harrell, the head football coach at Rockwell Heath High School in Texas, was suspended this week and placed on administrative leave after eight players were sent to the hospital after he allegedly forced them to do 400 push-ups as a form of discipline. Um. So this is uh. This is the reason why this is even worse. Is it's not even football season. This is just an off season workout. I know they take their football seriously in Texas, but 400 push-ups. Now I don't know what what kind of hospitalization. Like at some point, you just. You just can't do anymore, right? You yeah. collapse, and uh, no matter how much the coach is yelling at you, hey, you still only seventy-two more, right? You just can't move your arms yeah. anymore. At some point, push-ups up, push are one of those things where, like, you you reach a certain point and you're done. The school district has hired an independent third party to investigate uh, the incident, but I mean, yeah, it's one uh, not good. one child was diagnosed with uh, damaged muscle tissue uh, and. Another one, I mean, no water, no break. Maybe that was part of it. I've got right. no idea, but an insane story and definitely yeah. a don't do this. Don't, do not do
2: that. Sam, not not in high school especially. I mean, it's just not necessary. Bad. All right, my don't do this. We go to Memphis. Monday night, Ellie Hughes, an 11-year-old Grizzlies fan, was at the Grizzlies-Spurs game. Now, she had a basketball that had tons of signatures on it over the years from uh, players after games. Well, she, I suppose, put the basketball down and it disappeared. Somebody took it. And uh, the the story has a happy ending. John Morant ended up meeting her, the family, giving uh, her other signed items at another game, or it may have been later that game. I'm not totally sure. But don't do this. Don't, you know, if there's an item that somebody leaves, and it looks like it, it's signatured, it's of sentimental value, especially if you're at a, a professional sports arena, don't take it. Don't assume that it's up for grabs.
3: Don't steal. It's because just one you, of the Ten Commandments. Because right you, were, there. you
2: were stealing an 11-year-old steal. girl's prized possession. But this one actually has a happy ending. Yeah, the the happy ending was that, uh, was that John Morant... Found out what happened, wanted to make things right. Invited the Hughes family to the game on Wednesday at FedEx Forum, and then uh, met Ellie, her family, gifted her jersey, sneakers. I don't think the family got the basketball back, which is unfortunate. But there is a, a happy ending. Good on John Moran.
3: Finally, I- I'm going to call this a do-do. This anytime someone can be a little lighthearted, I guess. It's a weird story. I saw it uh, this week on the big lead, but uh, at the University of Oklahoma Sooners have a backup quarterback. His name is General Booty. Like, his first name is General and his last name is Booty. <laughs> his middle name is Axel, so it's General Axel Booty. And, uh, I mean, they don't know much about his college football prowess as a quarterback, but he does have a new line of skin cream out and he's actually advertising it i mean now that there's nil going on i mean this is fair game in college football uh he has uh, introduced the general's crimson cream a blood orange margarita scented skincare product uh, he did the reveal on social media this week as a commercial he actually like go online and order the general's crimson cream from general axel booty himself and i mean His claim to fame, I guess, is that he has attended class more than any of his other teammates. He's gone to 98% of his classes this year. Uh, So, okay, good for General Booty. I I, I say it's a do-do this.
2: I'm looking at the uh, packaging. It says the General's Crimson Cream. Yeah, blood orange, margarita, body cream. There is nothing on this packaging that would indicate that it is this uh, quarterback's cream. I don't know if this was a
3: project for like uh, a marketing I'm, I'm class vi- I'm or very, something. But. I'm very confused by the whole thing, and but now, you know, can make some money. Good for now. Him. Woods is uh, very big on skincare. In fact, his uh, Christmas present to me was. Some skincare products, really? Yeah, I don't know whether to be flattered or offended. Like, am no, I'm I looking, think that's nice. My new, looking my weathered new, and wrinkled. My or new something? thing is
2: uh, an ice roller. That's my new thing. I I roll the ice roller on my face under my eyes. It's
3: supposed to uh, reduce uh, swelling and puffiness. So, I'm, yeah. I'm no, no one has it. more bags under their eyes than Mister No Sleep over here. So, <laughs> I think Woods was just trying to help me out. And that is don't and do do this for a Friday.
2: <laughs> I'm oh. I'm looking on a uh, general. It's I can't believe this is his name General Booty's uh, Twitter, and he has a whole. We're gonna have to watch this during the break. He has a whole video here with the link to the the Crimson Cream. Yeah, yeah. I'm, we're gonna have to watch this. He's got a whole skit here.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, it's he's he's marketing. marketing. He's trying to make some money here. Yeah. Capitalize on the fact that he's hey I'm a quarterback at the at. The University for, of Oklahoma. He
2: writes in this tweet here, for men who want to keep their skin silky smooth even when they're on the go. That sounds like you. You're on the go. I am on the go all I'm the time. I'm going to get you some general booty crimson cream.
3: Speaking of on the go, uh, the San Diego State Aztecs on the go trying to improve the 5-0 and in the Mountain West. They got New Mexico. Tomorrow night, pretty big game at Viejas Arena, and we're scheduled to be joined by Aztec's assistant coach, Chris Acker, going to check in with us. We'll do that coming up next uh, with Bennett Woods on San Diego's number one
6: sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
5: (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45% up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com Blinds.com, rules and restrictions may apply after the end of a good fight you deserve an ice cold reward
3: Welcome back. Seven thirty-eight. Ben and Woods, Ben Higgins, Sam Levitt in for Stephen Woods today. Uh, tomorrow night, San Diego State Aztecs will host New Mexico. Six o'clock tip-off at Viejas Arena. I was actually uh, going through some of the uh, the pre-game press conferences for New Mexico yesterday. Their coach Richard Patino son of Rick Pitino, saying oh, some nice things about the Aztecs. You know, one of the toughest games they're going to play all year. Physical, experienced team. You know, lots of. Lots of guys coming back on that roster. They know it's going to be a challenge. And then uh, one of their players, K.J. Jenkins, came on. And the line of questioning, and he was saying the same thing. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a brutal. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be really physical. And they kept kind of pushing him. And he he finally goes, okay, I mean, they're not going to try to eat us. This is
6: basketball.
3: (laughs) But that's the reputation the San Diego State Aztecs now have. If you're going into Viejas Arena expect the toughest game of the season. And joining us right now on our premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline, he is in his fourth season on the bench alongside Brian Dutcher as an assistant coach at San Diego State. Chris Acker is with us here on 97.3 The Fan Coach. It's good to have you on with Ben Higgins, Sam Levitt this morning. How are you doing?
4: Good, Ben. Sam, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm doing well. Thank so
3: you. you guys, you're not going to try to eat the Lobos tomorrow night, literally.
4: No, we won't try to do that. But <laughs> we, uh... You know, it's unbelievable about um, the program. At the end of the day, when you come to be out, the fan support and the energy the show brings, and just that 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 loudness and everything about the arena. Um, you know, that's what makes it such a hard environment to play in.
3: Well, certainly, uh, kind of a blitzkrieg in your last game against Nevada, getting getting out to that quick ten nothing lead, and uh, maybe and, and Coach Dutcher said it, maybe the best half we've seen the team play all season. Give us uh, your thoughts on that win uh, from uh, Tuesday night.
4: Yeah, well, our guys, you know, the preparations uh, that they've been putting in the last uh, couple games prior to the game starting has been critical uh, for us to get off the good starts and and win these basketball games and. You know, with an experienced group, you expect them to understand how important conference play is and how difficult conference play is. So I'm just really, really proud of the preparation uh, more so than anything else leading into the games.
2: Coach, Matt Bradley really, as of late, has been such an important factor for your team. The double-double on Tuesday night against Nevada, 17 points, 10 rebounds. And what stood out to me and what continues to stand out to me about Matt Bradley, not just the scoring, but the playmaking, the passing, what he means to your offense. What stood out to you about the way he's played the last couple of weeks?
4: Just his assertion, um, the fact that he's decided that, you know, he's going to prove to everyone in the Mountain West that, you know, he's arguably one of the best players in the Mountain West, if not the best player, uh, but also just to his teammates that, you know, when we need a big shot or we need something to happen, he's more than capable of stepping up and doing that. And I think our team needed to see him do that. Because um, it just gives us a better balance and a better understanding and gives them a better understanding of wh- where the ball needs to go at the end of games.
3: Talking to Coach Chris Acker, Aztec's assistant here on 97 3, the fan. And I know all, all coaches have, uh, you know, different roles on the bench. Uh, for the Aztecs, uh, you know, Coach Velasquez, kind of the defensive coordinator. You're kind of the offensive guy for Brian Dutcher. Now, San Diego State has always been known for their defense for yeah. years and years, ever since Steve Fisher got here and continuing with Dutch. But this year the offense has certainly been more of a factor. Uh is what what's different about this year's team compared to maybe uh some of the past Aztecs teams offensively and, and why we've started to see, you know, scoring in the seventies and even the eighties when we're used to, you know, sixty four fifty eight games at San Diego State.
4: Well, I think we're just playing a lot faster this year. Um, we're getting more opportunities in transition, but but our team is always sparked by our defense and so you know, when we get stops and we get out and run, um, it puts a, it takes a lot of pressure off of our half-court offense. Um, and allows us to play fast and, and get easy opportunities. And then I think our offensive rebounding um, has stepped up tremendously, which has allowed us to get second-chance points. Uh, but in the half-court, I think we got a little bit more of a flow this year, and our guys are clear on what we're looking at and, and uh, where their options are going to come for them when they put the ball on the floor. Um, and, and they know, you know, when guys are driving, uh, where their shots are going to come from. So that always makes for a little bit more success on the offensive end.
2: Coach, it, it seems like this team is is really starting to gel at the right time. You went down to Maui, had a couple of tough losses, come back, have the loss against St. Mary's, but here in conference play, and especially on Tuesday night against Nevada, like we were talking about, maybe the most complete effort this team has uh, put together this year. You know, even on Tuesday night, dealing with the press late, there was trouble there. But as you get into the middle portion of conference play, what what's the I suppose the number one area that the coaching staff feel feels there is uh, room for improvement in even for a team that's uh, undefeated right now in conference play. What do you want to see out of this team uh, over the course of the next 3 4 games as you get to the middle portion of uh, Mountain West conference play?
4: Well, I just want to see our approach um, regardless of the score, uh, regardless of what's going on in the game. Um, you know, it's just the little nuances like our body language um when things don't go our way. Um, you know, how we look at each other, how we talk to each other, just want to continue to see that improve. And, you know, when a guy's hot, I want to see the guys start talking to each other more about who to get the ball to. Um, But it's just the total team effort, I think is what the next level of this team is. Um, I think we, like I said before, I think we have a clear understanding of, you know, who's going to put the ball in the basket for us and where their shots are going to come from. I think the guys understand now how important it is that we defend and that's our identity. Um, But I think the little things throughout the course of the game is just going to continue to separate us um, and continue to push us in the direction we're headed in.
3: You know, it's an interesting point you made there, Coach, talking to Chris Acker from the Aztecs. You have guys on your team, transfers like Darion Trammell, who, uh, you know, at Seattle, the ball was pretty much always in his hand. He could shoot whenever he wanted. He was the guy. But there's so many players on the Aztecs, you can't just have one guy. I mean, Matt Bradley has to get his touches. Trammell needs to put up his shots, but... I mean, you want to get the ball into Nathan Mensa and, and Keisha Johnson, and and, and you've got three-point shooters like uh, Adam Seiko that should get some shots as well. Lamont Butler has been heating up. How do you decide, you know, which guys should be taking the majority of the shots and who should be getting the ball?
4: Yeah, I think that's what I'm hitting on is the fact that the guys on the floor have to decide, and they have to make reads, and point guards have to understand, you know, who hasn't had a touch throughout the course of the game. Who needs one? Um, our bigs are working extremely hard, whether it's ducking in or blocking shots or just running the floor. They got to get the ball. And I think we're starting to do that. If, uh, the last game we just played in, Micah Parish got a rebound. He threw it in the end at Jay Medina led to a dunk. Just plays like that where guys will continue to play hard if they know that their teammates are looking out for them. And, you know, all of these guys have had opportunities to be really good players on their previous teams, um, referring to the transfers. But, You know, now I think they're starting to understand that in order to win, they still got to be really good players when their numbers call. But, you know, we have to be a really good basketball team and and put a collective effort out there on the floor, and then everybody will uh, feel the benefits of the success.
2: Coach, this New Mexico team coming into uh, Viejas Arena tomorrow night, they were ranked in the top 25 last week, still got some votes this week. Undefeated before the early portion of last week. What concerns you most about this New Mexico team as they come in to play your Aztecs?
4: Well, I mean, they're they're just extremely fast, and and their guards are, you know, more experienced than they get credit for. Um, They understand um, who they are as players, and they understand, you know, what their tempo is. And I think a team like that is dangerous because they have shooters around two very dynamic guards, and they got bigs now that they didn't have last year that posed a challenge for us on the low block. Um, so a lot of the things we do defensively, um, it'll be harder to take those things away from them because they know exactly what they're trying to do on the offensive end. So, you know, it's going to always be a challenge every game we play in and this one will be no different.
3: Last thing for me, coach. And as you you heard, as you were coming on, I was watching some of their comments, uh, yesterday before facing you. And one thing that uh, was being said was that when you guys played them last year and, and you won 72 47 at Viejas arena, they realized that. They can't. They didn't have the bodies to compete with San Diego State, so they went out and got some of the you know transfer portal and tried to add a little bit of size, basically so they can compete with you guys. And they're probably not the only team in the Mountain West that's doing that. What, what's it like to be the the team with the target on its back, uh, game in and game out for basically every team that comes into Viejas Arena all season
4: long? Sounds like you've been in our locker room a little bit. <Kinda>. Some of the things we talk to our guys about, it comes with a tremendous amount of responsibility, um, you know, having that target on your back. But also we embrace it um, and we understand, you know, what this program has done in this league, starting back with Steve Fisher and now with Brian Dutcher. Um, You know, there's been a lot of players that have come through here that have set the tone for, you know, this program and, and what we mean to this league. So, you know, our job is to continue to prepare and go out there and compete and take it one game at a time. Um, And I think if we continue to do that, we're going to have a tremendous amount of success this season. And so I think our guys are prepared for the challenge. They've shown it thus far. And so, again, if we continue to prepare the way we have, um, we'll be really hard to beat.
3: Coach, really appreciate it. Good luck uh, tomorrow night again, 6 p.m. tip at Viejas Arena. And uh, go and eat some Lobos uh, tomorrow.
4: (laughs) I love it. I love it. I appreciate you guys for having me on. I can't wait to see Viejas Arena packed up.
3: That's Coach right. Chris Acker, assistant for San Diego State on our Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall. Chevrolet, find new roads. I'm obviously lifelong Padres fan and, you know, waiting for that World Series, and I live and die with the Padres. But the Padres are also, I feel like, my job as well. Covering right. them, you know, what, what I do both on television and radio here, flagship station for the Aztecs, I let myself be a little bit more of an emotional fan. I, I can't be quite as emotional about the Padres just because I'm working. I, I certainly stu- still get worked up a little bit. But as Woods always makes fun of me, I watch the Aztecs game, and I, I like tweet, and I get mad, <laughs> and I, I let myself actually fan out a little bit with San Diego State basketball because I always I always wanted to be a college basketball fan growing up. And I, I frankly, I didn't have a team. Right. San Diego State was so bad. When you know before Steve Fisher arrived in the early, I think nineteen ninety nine, and started to turn the program around, and they made the NCAA tournament, and I think it was two thousand three or four, they were awful. Sam, they were, they were going, they'd go like five and twenty five. They play it not at House Arena; they had a, their gym was called Peterson Gym. It seated a couple thousand people, and they couldn't even come close to mm. filling that up. They'd have you know like nine hundred people at a game, and then Steve Fisher came, and Brian Dutcher came, and they started pack in viejas arena and the show formed as the student section that got into it and turned it into one of the most lively exciting environments to watch a sporting event that i've ever been to some of the best games i've been to have been san diego state games at vs arena yeah and in this year
2: to be totally honest is the first ever year that i've really followed san diego state Closely. I mean, they were here on the West Coast. I wasn't a big college basketball fan growing up and then in college got into it and I've done a a lot of college basketball play by play. So I've been to a, a bunch of different arenas and different conferences and have seen some really good college basketball atmospheres. And I will say Viejas Arena is right up there for, for the places I've been I mean it's a great crowd I love that the floor is is at the bottom and then everything goes up from there it's 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 a great atmosphere and, and honestly Ben like I I didn't even know that about San Diego State that it was that bad oh, was for awful. that long awful. which honestly to me makes it more impressive to see what it's become because you walk in
3: there and and honestly, I, I kind of thought this is the way it's been for decades and decades, Mm-mm. but apparently not. No, it has not. And and there's a parallel to the Padres as well. Games, even at Petco Park 10 years ago, were, I mean, a little bit lifeless, honestly. It's always a great ballpark to go to a game, but Padres didn't have the fan base. They didn't have the team to warrant the kind of support that they do now. But now you go to Petco Park, and it's loud, and it's packed, and even on a weekday night, you know, there's going to be thirty. 35,000 people and they're into it and you know and then it gets like the playoffs like we saw games against the dodgers last year it's absolutely magical the aztecs did that 15 years ago 20 years ago and started uh changing the culture and the padres have done it now as well changing the culture we have great sports fans here in san diego they just never had a, a chance to really shine uh, before and now they do on some of the, the local teams and I, I i think it's fantastic
2: yeah no it's it's great the atmosphere there is great and and it makes a difference you know maybe in baseball you know people don't day-to-day focus on the crowds as much as they do in college football in the nfl and college basketball but it matters when fans show up when they're allowed especially in a college basketball environment i mean it it can be really intimidating like when you sit court side, or you're just in the arena, I mean, you, you get a sense of the difference there is between an arena that is empty and And a a packed arena with at least a few thousand people that is rocking. And there is a huge difference in the feel and the atmosphere in those games.
3: I got a couple of minutes before the top of the hour. Some uh, injury updates with the wild card weekend of football set to get underway tomorrow. So, uh, injury updates out yesterday, including uh, tomorrow's game, get the official injury report for Seahawks 49ers and Chargers Jaguars, are the two wild card games tomorrow in the NFL. And, Mike Williams, uh, Chargers wide receiver, was listed as questionable for the game after suffering the back contusion in the meaningless season finale and Brandon Staley continuing to get raked over the coals for yeah. having his starters in or in too long for that game against the Broncos and potentially cautioning them uh, the number 2 target there behind Keenan Allen. Uh, we'll see. Uh, it makes a big difference if he's out there, uh, but that'll be the 5:15 game tomorrow. Also got the official update uh, from the horse's mouth, as it were, Lamar Jackson tweeting out he's not going to play for the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. He tweeted that his knee remains uh, unstable, and while he wishes he could be out there, he's not going to be available, which leaves the Ravens in a tough spot because Tyler Huntley has also been dealing with tendinitis. He's the starter if he can go, but if not, Uh, They may need to go with Anthony Brown in that game against the Cincinnati Bengals uh, on Sunday night.
2: There are a few games on this wild card weekend that I don't think are going to be very good. I don't think the Dolphins-Bills game is going to be very good. And the Bengals without Lamar Jackson, it's not going to be a great game. Seahawks 49ers think the 49ers are going to roll. Um Yeah, that's disappointing that Lamar can't play. Um, You know that that just makes it a better, more intriguing game. Bengals have been really good. Joe Burrow has been really good, and um, yeah, those three games the the one in San Francisco, the Bills, Dolphins, Bengals, Ravens I I don't think they're going to be I think a few blowouts. Well, I think I
3: think those three now, and I haven't seen how far the Bengals Ravens line has moved. It was uh, it was like eight and a half nine yesterday, but with Lamar Jackson officially out. Uh, That could be a double-digit line. Bills are double-digit favorites over the Dolphins. 49ers are double-digit favorite over the Seahawks. When we met our picks yesterday, I actually did pick the Seahawks and the Dolphins to cover just because even when you're out without a quarterback, it's a playoff game. The intensity, I feel like... The first playoff game, yeah, especially, the, the, the it's sea, hard to blow out yeah. teams. The, the Seahawks week, 49ers yeah. could be good. So I, I think they, they might be a little bit closer. But, yeah, the, the favorites should all move on on those games. All right, we'll come back. It's a big day in the offseason for
6: baseball. That's coming up next on 97.3 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever. Or I can conquer it.